listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Our Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash 925cc. This is the brand new 90s, the one you've all been waiting for, the one where we spoil Game of Thrones. John? We talk about Game of Thrones failing to disappoint. We talk about how we did not see Avengers Endgame. We follow it up with a little gem and the holograms. Then, then we give Keith his best movie ever. Step softly. Don't make a lot of noise. Walk on your... I like that ah. there's a Game of Thrones tie-in, too. Uh-huh. And then we talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Season 3 is where it kicks up. It's 3 and 4, I think, are the peak wire. Peak wire. No, 1 is peak wire. 1 is so good. 1 hooks you so hard. Yeah, it does. But, you know, all the pieces are in play. The storytelling in Season 3 is is too fantastic. So... The pieces moving. Speaking of HBO series, yeah, John, are we not allowed to talk about? No, 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 I spoil it away. I don't care. Right. Well, I mean, it's not okay. So this is no, no, it's fair, fair yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying because I remember, I remember last season you were like, I'm gonna wait for the show. And now, I mean, I think that they're not. That's not gonna happen. That the book is not gonna happen. Yeah, you mean? I don't yeah. even know. So, can we just call it a novelization now? <laughs> no, because I think that they're they're so far delineated. I believe at this. Yeah, point. but I've read movie novelizations that have nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> they go way off the rails. I guess. I think he's just writing novelizations of this hit TV maybe, like Maybe, maybe that's, that's the trick. He's like, I don't know how these books finish. Hey. Did he not give an alternate ending to them? Wasn't, wasn't there like an official ending and, he, and they're doing a different one? That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unclear to, as to whether or not the books... Apparently, he has discussed with them mm-hmm. and there is a plan. And they are working towards a George R. R. Martin approved ending. Huh. But that I can totally see this meeting, though. So, uh, guys, uh, based on what I've given you so far... Uh, What's what's your best guess on how it ends? <laughs> well, this happens. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Just right here. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we are in uh, the see, fourth mm. episode. Just came out. Yep. What happened? Um, and so and that, so and this is just a, to set the stage. There Wait, are only six episodes. Did you watch the season. fourth episode? Yes, I have. Okay, we can't talk about that. Well, I'm talking about it. Too bad. Spoilers. Right. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, Scott will be in Bye. next week. <laughs> there's not a, like, there's not much. I really. It's we're recording it on the Monday yeah, after it aired. You, I mean, you know. yeah, you kind of work on a pop culture podcast, though, buddy. Do your homework. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is going to be five minutes of me squealing into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're four episodes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the we've taken a whole year off of Game yeah. of Thrones, right? Like it's been there was no uh, there were no new episodes in 2018, mm-hmm. um, and now there have they have six episodes to finish the Game of Thrones, and now and proceeded to be pretty underwhelming. Really? Mo. Yep. Really? Yep. The Battle of Winterfell was kick ass. It wasn't what, even was so the best awful. battle of the show. Like Hardhelm was, I think, significantly better. And I mean, like Battle of the Bastards. Did too. anyone die? So here's the big thing. Okay. No. Nobody dies. None of the main core cast die. Ca- like core adjacent characters die. Okay. Certainly. How adjacent is core adjacent? Well, All right. So, so before I mean, we get further so anyways, into it, minute, minute three, we have some spoilers. So here, if you have not watched. The Battle of Winterfell, we're going to tell you... This is from episode three or four? Episode three. Okay. So you've had a... By the time this airs, you've had two weeks to watch it. So right. if you haven't watched it by now, you're like just... 
you don't care about it. Right. And I mean, and whatever. And if you can, I just guess, like, whatever. Just fast forward a little bit. So we're going to say who dies. So the list of characters who die in order of, I would say, episode appearance. The character who has appeared the most who dies, Theon. Theon okay. Theon Greyjoy dies. Certainly not a main character, but I don't think. Maybe Especially so. now, that, now that his Roose Bolton storyline is done. Yeah. You're like, where, where's your... Where's your agency, Theon? I don't care. Okay. Like, he's back and he has a redemption story. It's cool. I'm fine with Theon. Uh, the next biggest character that died would be Jorah Mormont. But again, okay. like main adjacent, though. He's like, he definitely had a plot and story, but I'm like, at the phase of the Night King is marching down, Daenerys' armies are in Westeros, and Cersei's holding King's Landing, does Jorah Mormont really have, like, a big role to play anymore? I don't he's think done. Okay. Anyway, so those are the only two that I would consider to be anywhere near main characters that die. Yep. Beric Dondarrion. Finally eats it. Hey, ah. the Lightning Lord. My and, favorite. My and, favorite tertiary character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolores Ed. The last of John's friends who are not named Sam. Uh-huh. And I think the, 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 the death that I think stuck the biggest chord with fans was Lady Mormont died. Yeah, Mormont. <laughs> who is okay. not at all a main character, but certainly but like a memorable and, and sure, fun, sure. fun character. Other than that, everyone is like fully guarded up in plot armor. Oh, there is one other character that dies. The Nameless Soldier? No. Because we... But the, well, you know the, the nameless soldier. The night, the night king. And they also, yeah, and they, and Arya kills the night king. Arya? Yep. Huh. Arya Stark. Uh, I've I've <clears> heard <throat> whispers that the people are kind of pissed off. She's like the Mary Sue, kills it's, everything. Can't be I hurt. feel like it's earned. Okay. So we're gonna talk about this. So the problem is, is that the show doesn't play by its own rules set within the same episode, and it infuriated me. So Arya Stark. At this point, has ninja powers and okay. whatever. Like I mean, which is like in like in check. Like we don't necessarily. It took know. a full year for of work for her to get there, if not more. Like it's it, the timelines are kind of unclear. She might have been training with the Faceless Men for like potentially years. Like not like yeah. years and years, but like she could have spent two three years and yeah, down there. Okay, she went to ninja school. And now she's a ninja. Yeah, she went to ninja school. She trained <clears> with the Faceless Men. She's trained with the Jakari. She trained with the Water Dancer. Like I am accepting. Arya Stark's ninja prowess at this point. There's even establishing shots in the episode of her mm-hmm. like, scrambling over rooftops and grabbing things and being mm, you flip, being a flip wizard. So well, still gets her teeth kicked in a little bit. So and now this is where I have a problem with, like four or five whites have her cornered and are stalking her in the library. And if she makes even the slightest noise or movement they're on her like a pack of ravenous wolves it happens she has to throw the little thing into the corner to distract them so that she can make her fair escape out the window yeah mm-hmm. they give her a good zombie movie moment. yes yeah. which again i liked this i i liked the shooting of that scene now in the godswood for our fi- for our finale you have the night king standing there about two feet away mm-hmm. from bran stark because it's established that he wants to kill the one-eyed raven uh surrounded by whites mm-hmm. surrounded by his like actual White Walker lieutenants who are like Ice King things and then there's just the shot of her flying through the air and manages to like basically get a knife close to him he catches her by the throat she does a cool like sleight of hand drops the blade stabs him in the stomach I'm fine really Arya Stark just made it through like an army of dudes and the elites to just like and like fly that like I don't care how much of a flip wizard you are, it's the godswood. There's not even anything, there's no walls or anything to even hide behind. It's an empty area with the tree in the middle, and the tree's in the shot, and she comes from behind. If she had even, like... There, there was a path that was cleared when the Night King walked through his armies to get to Bran, that you have already established the other whites will not interfere with when Theon charges the Night King with his spear. Mm-hmm. Like, he runs 
right past like a hundred whites to die at the hand of the Night King. It's like a sure. freaking marriage march right down the middle. And the Night King walks down that path, and there's no reason to believe that the rest of the whites would like whites shuffle maybe, into that but then, path. But then his elites? Well, they don't. Why would they shuffle in behind him just to get a better view? No, to make and, a. Yeah, they're fulfilling their entire purpose. They're actually intelligence. The whites are like. Are mindless idiot and, zombies. The, like, the, the, the Night and, King's posse is like, they're him. They're the same species. Or and whatever. the one power that Arya does have as a, like a superpower is move silently. I, I so if there was a path there and she's not making any sound with her footfalls, I believe she could run at full speed. I mean, I'm, glad, right I'm glad you could believe that. But if she made nary a sound in the library, the whites were on her like in a second. But she did make nary no. a sound. She made, she made no sounds in the library. I don't know. I like. I just said it's. It's just like she just comes flying from off camera, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I was like, what? My take. I don't have any. Everyone like, Aria killed her. I was like, that's fine. I'm like, Aria is probably at this stage, the most stealthy murderer person in the show. Like, not maybe not the best swordsman or whatever, but I could buy her as the the stealth person. My shot that I thought they were doing that I thought was cooler. <laughs> Was so you have the White Walker or the Night King walking up to Bran and Bran sitting in the chair and all that stuff and I was like oh my god how cool is it gonna be I was like the ca- the camera's gonna pan around and you're gonna see like little like crippled Bran like behind the tree being like me and it's gonna be Arya in the chair because she's a master of disguise because we haven't seen her in like ten minutes and then her being like ciao and then stabs I'd be like that's cool and that explains how she, she got, got within close. a foot of him and I was like oh man this has been the plan all along because they actually have a plan which I they planned for like a year and then didn't seem to have a plan because at the first sign of anything going wrong Daenerys was like man fuck this plan and flies away with her dragon and I was like you dumb dumb idiot boy this sounds great oh man it's not you, you look cheesed off by I this was, whole I was just it was such a build and I was like so what the show episode was missing the, and, and don't Get me wrong, I, I'm like I'm, I'm fanboying and nitpicking and all that stuff. The direction's amazing. The action sequences are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Every scene is kind of tense. I love mm. the even the scene in the library was cool. The finale, like the last twenty I, minutes, my is favorite like part of it, cranked up horror movie. Like you're just like everything is wrong and everybody's dying. Like, my favorite part of it and the people part that people hated was Sam's reaction. So Sam. Oh, also the get scholar. the hell out! Get the hell out of here with that scene that's happened in every single movie that's ever been a battle fight. Like Sam, freaking Sam! Like oh no, and he almost he almost gets died, and there's a White Walker on him, and then Ed he like kills the White Walker on him, and he's like, you gotta get up, Sam, and Sam's like, thank you, and then Ed eats it. I'm like, wow, I've never never seen that in a sword, you know, fight Uh ever. Sam's reaction towards the end when John is running through the castle and like kind of runs through everybody else's battles, yeah, of just like freaking out completely because someone's gonna lose their shit as they start losing the zombie war. Mm-hmm. And of course it's going to be Sam, regardless of his protestations of being a, yeah, I mean, a he was capable trying to, he fighter. Tra- he's trying to nut himself up to be <clears throat> into that fight. And like... I'm, I love that his reaction was, in fact, at the end of it, I've seen so many people die and I'm scared shitless. Really? Did you see any of your fighting. close friends die? Because I think only one. I think only one person you really knew died in that battle. Just get out of here. <laughs> so, and I, I was like... just cry fighting. I was all for that. Huh? His cry yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his, I said, like, there, were, there were cool moments. The swinging scenes... the light sword around, terrified, yeah. crying his eyes out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a reaction some people will have. Absolutely, there were many, many things about that battle that I think were very cool. It was mm-hmm. like masterfully shot, the tension, the use of sound and music, and sometimes <clears> dead <throat> silence. Like, like it was a 
super, like, well executed from a direction piece. I a battle at night that was dark and hard to make out everything. Love it. I mean, <laughs> some people on the internet less so. Like, yeah, do you hear the director's reaction to that? <laughs> Learn how to fucking set the color on your TV. <laughs> you know, like it because everything was blue-gray? Well, right, that's because right, your yeah. TV is set wrong. This is not right, my problem. Up. My TV is set correctly, and it's a dark episode. Like, it's supposed to, Well, I mean, it's not a battle at noon. Fair enough. Uh, the other, anyway. As, do you remember fucking uh, 30 Days of Night? Mm-hmm. Where there's lights everywhere all the time? Yeah. Shitty garbage movie. So what the episode was missing, we realized... It's, so the episode runs like an hour 20 or something. Hmm. And uh, I was watching it with Sarah, uh, Rachel, and Pat. And like we called it like in about 30 minutes in. Like I think it was... The, it's the scene where the Unsullied are making their last stand, which is, again, a very badass scene. The Unsullied, they're like, yo, we need to protect the retreat. And they're basically like, they, they Spartan it up and like phalanx it. And you just see them, like, like rows of them dying. But everybody just holding the line is like, mm-hmm. the guy in front of you dies. Now my job is to hold this stick and die as people retreat behind me. And it's like, very cool. cool. Mm-hmm. But then when Grey Worm miraculously, for some reason, doesn't die with all of the Unsullied. and just yeah, like, He should have eaten it, too. I, I, I agree with that completely. So Grey Worm absolutely should have eaten it. And I was like, if Grey Worm <clears throat> would have died there, it would have... And he's not even a super big main character, but like you realize that plot, plot armor was like in play kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, it missed the thing like from the Serenity movie... When Wash eats it, and you realize for the rest, like the rest of the finale, you're like, all, be- goes. all bets are off. All of these characters could die. Mm-hmm. But when it was very clear that a character was in like mortal danger, and it was set up that he should die, and he didn't, I was like, oh, they're pulling punches on thinning the cast. And yep. because you, as soon as you acknowledge that, like so much of the tension was gone. I was like, if I was had directed the, that episode, you could have left it as is, flying area, whatever, notwithstanding. But if just like even if just like when they're like up there and they're doing a little when he's sp- trying to unfreeze the the bridge spikes, yeah, he should have died then and then unlocked it with his last like or breath. whatever. I would also have said even earlier if you well because because like, Jorah kind of ran in with the Dothraki. If yeah. you see like Jorah running in with the Dothraki and then him just like and like his head just like explodes, you'd be like, whoa. You know, like mm-hmm. that was not a that was not a valiant end with a like because he he also dies valiantly protecting Daenerys, so he gets a hero's ending. If someone just died like out of nowhere, a la yeah. Wash, you'd be like, oh, oh, and I would have been so much more invested in everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe that these characters are going to do anything meaningful in the next three episodes. Really, Davos Seaworth, but you're going to bring it. You better bring the Davos in the next two hours oh. of remaining Game of Thrones. Like you could have easily thinned out a bunch of the cast and I don't think changed the ending and you would have had people... Same with Melisandre. She didn't need to see the end of the battle. Yeah, exactly. She could have eaten it. Like, like it's... There's just like a bunch of decisions like that where I was like... And I, I've said this before, I think, when there was the Battle of the Bastards was to me a super, uh, super intense fight. Very cool. A lot of weird, almost like surreal stuff happens. Like there's just God, like, that's a World War One movie. Yeah, battle. It's, it's just, just that like it's, horrible. It's just muddy and gritty, and it's like there's like parts where like John is literally like crawling through corpses that are like on top of him, and it's just like filthy. And you're like, what? nice. But again, and that was the battle. So like he he's at the front of the cavalry charge, mm-hmm. and the horses all fucking die and get speared from under them, and he falls to the ground and is under like. Now just getting buried in mud and bodies and, and still people running on top of those mud and bodies. Like, like his, awesome. his battle for the next five minutes is getting a, a solid breath of air you <clears throat> yeah. know, before he suffocates. Yeah. 
So oh. very, and again, that's masterfully shot and it's super cool. Bomb. But it's like it's John and his buddies. It was like John Tormund Davos and a tiny little like army of wildlings and a little bit of the remnants of Stannis's forces or whatever, up against Roose Bolton in a fortified position. Mm-hmm. And like at Game of Thrones, at the foundation is if you make stupid decisions, like maybe you'll win the fight, but like you're gonna eat it in the process. None of the main characters die, and then uh, Sansa and the, another army show up and save the day at the end, and the only person that dies is Rickon, who you hasn't been on the show for three years. Yeah, Mr. Like, not appearing in this show. Yeah, so I was like, when that <clears throat> happened, I was like, oh, this is now HBO does Game of Thrones. This is not the like core thing of the show, which is if you make a stupid decision. Well, he, he definitely did slow down on killing main characters as the series went on. Sure. Book five and four, there's a lot less of it than the earlier ones. Uh, yeah. Yep. I would agree, but at the well, same... I don't know. Season six had some good deaths. Yeah, but I mean, they got rid of Dorne for writing for complicated reasons, and people didn't understand. Like, they had a, their, their reviewer feedback that nobody understood Dorne's role, so they just killed everybody like, in Dorne. Loras and his sister died. Uh, Tom and dies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they, but that was like when when the church blows up. Like, but like that that felt a lot like a cast cleanup, which I thought would have added to the tension of, uh, of the Battle of Winterfell. Because yeah. if, if you just like, I was like, I was like, I don't think that these characters have much more to contribute to the story, especially you... especially when the catacombs thing happened. I was oh yeah, like, nobody oh. died. What was the catacombs thing? Like. So they put so, the women and children into the catacombs beneath Winterfell. With mm-hmm. Tyrion and... Sansa, Sansa and, Varys. and Varys. Right. Yeah. And then uh, after the battle is, like, maybe won by the forces of Winterfell, the mm-hmm. Night King shows up and raises everyone from the dead, both sides. Crazy. So and just including the catacombs of the Starks, where everyone is hiding. All these fucking old Stark corpses start oh crawling God, through the walls. that's amazing. And it's like, yeah, but like Everybody everyone lives. survives in there. Like Varys, like, Sansa, and Tyrion are okay being roughly unarmed in the catacombs with some zombies running around. Right. Because, Lame. yeah, yeah, because, exactly. Like Be- Gilly could have eaten it there, and that would have been yeah, like a- you know, like exactly, like that's it. That to say, um, without spoiling episode four, episode four is taking some flack online for being like long and boring, but I'm like way more into it because it's an actual Game of Thrones episode. It's like now that. Daenerys is like, all right, Night King done. I like, I want my throne, and I'm gonna go march on Cersei. And it's like, and politics is back on, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which I which I approve of putting the Battle of Winterfell mid in the middle, and it not being like a fantasy film that like ends with a a big, a big climactic battle. battle. Episode two was my favorite of the, the season so far, and maybe it. of last season too, even though it was slow, just because it was the most <sighs> finally episode where they got characters coming back together. Yeah, but then know? I yeah. I didn't like that episode because i mean i didn't say i didn't like it as a it's it's weird because like someone um there was an article that i read on uh, i don't know some video game blog was they were like it's very reminiscent of like going into the last battle of a video game where you're like remember all the characters from the game mm-hmm. well they're all in the castle now and that's literally the second episode of this season but there were which like is, little moments that were yeah, so it, which important. again is super cool but you could write it in fan fiction like literally it's just sort of like Hey, do you remember me? I sure do. Do you remember me? I sure do. Look who it is. Remember him? Yep. Nah, are we all more. fan favorites? Sure High are. It's High more nuanced. Let's drink some it's wine. It's more nuanced Those than moments that. are good. The, like, the writing is fine. The acting is great. But I'm like, at the end of the day, that movie, that episode is just like, do you remember all of your favorite nah, nah, guys? Nah, nah. They're there's all like, in Winterfell. There's like little scenes there. Favorite where, place. Where Brienne and Podrick show up and Tyrion is just like, oh, hey. 
Podrick. You were my squire for a hot minute. Okay, now multiply that by 12 and then, or 15 occurrences. And then, hey, here's Barakondarian. Oh, then, look, he's with the hound. And then fucking Podrick is <laughs> they like. They used to hate each other. Now they're drinking. <laughs> now they're on the same side. Oh, Jamie showed up. Jamie's going to save the day. All right. Who else did you like? Ed? Ed also managed to get It's there. cool. No, it's cool, Keith. You, you oh, hated it. it. I, I had points that I liked, and you <laughs> want to be loud over them. That's, that's awesome. Carry on. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it, it's cool. It's, it's fine. It's an hour of fan service, man. And don't get me wrong. As a, as a fan, I In liked it. In season eight. Okay, cool. They've introduced characters that haven't seen each other for six years, giving them a minute to be like, yeah, okay. but that, that minute took a full hour to watch. Because there's fucking... 40 characters in the show. <laughs> Which would have mattered if some of them died in the next episode, but they're all okay. <laughs> like, that was it. Like, that episode, episode... So, there was an amazing fan theory. Like, amazing. Where I was like, oh my god, episode two might be the best episode ever. There was all these weird shots in episode two of, like, cameras, like, lingering a little bit longer on shots. And, er- and someone was like, oh man, these might foreshadow, like, a gazillion deaths. Like, there's a weird scene where, like, uh, Tyrion's trying to like fill up a glass of wine extra full for Podrick because Brienne let him have a thing. But then he like he juggles it and like the wine kind of like spills out. People are like Tyrion getting stabbed in the stomach. There's mm-hmm. a scene where Tormund goes and like and chugs a thing and gets like beer dripping all down his thing. They're like Tormund's throat's gonna get slit. You know like, there's all these like different things. If mm-hmm. that had been like if that entire episode had been that, but you were actually foreshadowing all these dudes' deaths, that would have been like I would have been like. Chef's kiss. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that would have oh, been that so... That would have been so fucking ham-handed and awful. You wouldn't have noticed, though. You would not have noticed. Because it wasn't there. <laughs> but you, but then people should have died. <laughs> like, episode two would have been great if some of those people... Because it's all set around, like, it's the last night and we're all having drinks together. Right. But it's no uh, one's it last matter. night. It's, it's Barry Gondarian's last night. Everybody else? A-okay. Right. Like, episode like, two is still full of good moments. Just like... Tyrion being Podrick, have a have a goblet of wine, and Brienne going, uh, no, you, I'm proper, you shouldn't be drinking, and caving and saying, okay, just half, and then Tyrion quietly pours overflowing a his cup, his huge pint of wine, mm-hmm. and Pod just gives him this little look like, yeah, boy. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And it's great. It was just a and perfect little moment. And it would have mattered if some of those characters died, like, actually, like, every every single conversation that happens in episode two is, well, we're all going to die tomorrow. I've already conceded that point to you. I, I know, agree with you. You're it, arguing like, with someone who, the who's on the same side. The goodness that you're talking about only stays good if some of these characters no, die. No, those scenes are good independent of everything else. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a payoff where you finally see characters that recognize each other actually acknowledging that they recognize each other and not just, like, forgetting that fucking... They know each other. And is that a problem in other, with the show? No, in other TV shows, it definitely is. It's like, oh, but you, you fucking know each other. Like, sure, you haven't seen each other for six seasons, but I remember season two. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, and like, yeah, like the fact on Darian fucking... and the Hound, like, literally had a duel to the death, right? Like, mm-hmm. And they fucking shit talk at each other when they run into each other. Podrick used to be Tyrion's squire. And, right. like, the fact that they kind of have a, a little nod at each other. Um, Jamie and Brienne and Tormund all having a weird, awful, <laughs> horrible conversation that is the worst flirting that's ever been seen before. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It was great. It needed to happen. And it was nice that they didn't forget plots yeah. from fucking 
2014. That's totally fair. I just like it felt like it was a send off to some of those characters, and then it totally wasn't. So it like it's tainted my entire memory of that episode. Episode three definitely should have had something bad happen to a bigger character. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a hundred percent, and like I said, I cannot. All the all the Stark survive. All the Targaryens survive. Uh, all the hands and advisors and mm-hmm. the yep. Hound survives somehow, being attacked whoa, by whoa. dragons. Hey, hold the phone. The Hound has a higher destiny, and it's called the Clegane Bowl. So that's fine. <laughs> being, being surrounded by a castle on fire. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, no, well, the, fuck the, off. The worst. I would say the worst offenders mm-hmm. is Grey Worm. Number one. Yeah, that was on. A, that was, and also. Also, super weird. It was just ja- super Jamie. weird. Jamie, Jamie with his back up against the walls of Winterfell, surrounded by a thing, and I'm like, sorry, he's a left hand swordsman, and there's no one helping him out. Well, he was standing right next to Brienne. Mm-mm. When they when when, when John is running through the castle, when John right is next running to through each the other. castle, yeah. When they all the corpses die after the murder of the Night King, and they're going in, it's all three of them, and they're about like thirty feet apart. It's yeah. Pod, Jamie, Brienne, and they're not side by side anymore. So I'm like. How did that like they're just like with their backs up against the wall being like what happened? So I was like, see if you're back up against the wall and you're outnumbered eighty to one and you're like two two things bothered me with Jamie. One, why did he still have a gold hand when he could have had a dragon glass hand? Because that would have been a nice little thing. <laughs> just unscrew his metal hand, put on a big punch dagger. Step, 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 step. Yeah. Uh two. He's literally the Kingslayer. Why he didn't get the finishing blow, I'll never understand. Yeah, but I mean, but I also like that too. That like everyone thought that like John would get the kill because yeah. of the because he's the, John. The, the, well, and also the Red Ladies, Urazoth or whatever that guy yeah. reborn and whatever the Lord of Light. Azoth High. Azoth High. Yeah. His yeah. his little World War Two scene, uh, trying to outrun a tank was wonderful. Yeah, that was that was great. Who was does get the that. Night King in the end? Aria. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. With a cool little knife flip. She yep. like, tries to stab him overhand with one knife, mm-hmm. and he grabs her by the the wrist with the knife and the throat. Mm-hmm. is just lifting her off the ground. So she lets go, and it flips down into the hand. And... Mm-hmm. Best death by far, Lady Mormont, though. My God. Oh, God, yeah. Right. So so uh, Undead 1-1 comes back, like the, the thing, mm-hmm. and he's just like smashing through and everything. And she just like has like a... 12-foot giant. Has like a yeah. pole arm. So it's just like... like, like Little girl with a pole arm, just like, just like runs right at him. He like grabs her, and I believe he's going to eat her. People were like, "What was he gonna do?" Yeah, and I was like, "They kind of established that they eat them, right?" I think. Yeah, sure. He could take a bite. But the whites are like taking bites at people in other, in other shots. Like Mm -hmm. they're like smashing, and also like. I don't know if it's an Attack on Titan kind of eating, or just like a. I I have a natural weapon full of. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But I mean, but I mean, but I feel that if you're like giant sized, they say the giants eat people sometimes anyway. So like, why would the undead giant not just be like, mm-hmm. so and, and it's like crushing all of her bones as he's like bringing her Man, up. And that sound fully <sighs> people were fucking on, on the ball on that. But then she just like Ooh. with her like dragon glass polearm as she's eyeing is like, and just like smashes it into her eye, like into his eye. That's amazing. And then like goes down and they're both dead. And I was like, Lady Mormon, baller, b- badass yeah. to the end. But just like this, like girl holding the pole, and just like screaming and sprinting at at a like giant. You're like, yep, badass, right? Oh, there. that that sound effect of him squeezing her in his fist. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that was gnarly. Uh, so anyway, Game of Thrones is happening, huh? And yeah, uh, I like episode four more than episode five or episode three. I can't wait. Is this a, is this a good send off? You guys happy overall with the progress of this? Sure. Wow. Better than last year. Last year was a the first time the series really took a decided downturn. Yeah, really. Yeah, I would say the yeah, I said. I mean, like, I I'm, feel like they threw a lot of money in season 
five and six that mm-hmm. kind of made up for a sprawling cast. Mm-hmm. You're like, finally, the effects look bigger. Finally, the this the, the dragons look cool. Yeah. And then season seven was just like, <sighs> yeah, you like, guys where, fucked up. I, you, where are we going and whatever? Like, and I, I like the season six episode kind of thing. It seems like they were like stuff's happening mm. all the time. I just it does make me really want to read the uh novelization. The novelization of the <laughs> TV series, the HBO TV series. Yeah. Smash it. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's it like like I said, I mean, I think it was season 7, right, where they were just sort of like Dorn. Yeah. <laughs> we like, killed look, everyone that we thought was interesting there. Every like oh yeah, it's like within like a span of like 2 seconds, Bo like the the Lannister kid who's in Dorne, Marcella. all of the Sand Snakes, the Prince of Dorne, and Oberyn, like all die within the span of like two episodes. Wow! And they're like, whatever. And then there's like the weird throwaway line in episode four where they were just sort of like, the Prince of Dorne, like offices, whatever. I'm like, who are you talking about now? <laughs> they don't say a name. <laughs> they just say that I guess someone's in charge down there. Like just as as almost the like, yeah, Dorne is still a place, but not one we care about in this TV show. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's three high houses that they don't talk about at all, right? Well, I mean, like, the, well, the and the when the green when the the when the great sept or whatever, yeah. like they were just sort of like, uh, who is in there? Uh, Loras. The, the Tyrells? All of them? Sure. Yeah. All of them. So <laughs> you're just like they're done, <laughs> except for Elena. Okay, let's kill her too. All right, done. That family gone. Like, and it, it feels very much if like if it's south of King Landing, it's done. Yeah, it feels very much like the show. So and look, I, and look, I get it. Look for them to take over in the last episode. Right. Right. But I'm just saying, but like, I know, not to say no, but like, I suspect that that will not be the case in the books because you can take time with the bigger cast. And like, I mean, well, in the books, spoilers for the books, I guess, uh, like, Dorne has another Targaryen, right? Like, there's the mm-hmm. Targaryen cousin that was like backed and hidden by, uh, why am I, not Oberyn, his brother. Print, yeah. The actual Prince of Dorne, the other Martell, yeah. The, but yeah, exactly. Like who was hidden and backed by Martell, and like it was a whole entire plan to like marry his daughter and then like do whatever. Like you know, like there's that entire scheme in the books that is just like we're not going to throw another Targaryen Go in the show. You know, like yeah. so I'm sure even if they end up with a similar ending, the the road to it is going to be very very different in the books. I would imagine. Also, I will say this: I just want them to answer what happened to Nymeria. That's, that's the one. <laughs> Arya's, Arya's wolf is out there somewhere. I mean, they that, do mention it in the books, right? Yeah, that there's a like a big bit, pack, like of a wolves. pack of yeah, wolves big pack around, around the middle. Around yeah. I, I, I'm calling it now. I, I think sweet Robin Aaron is going to sit on the, this, mm. the throne. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a stacked army of hardened knights just sitting in the veil. Yeah. There's also, also a thing that I didn't like, and then I talked to Andrew, and he pointed out why I didn't like it, and I was like, you're correct. Um, at one point... Daenerys blasts uh, the Night King with fire, and he just, like, eats it. Yep. Like, he just soaks it. And then he smirks. And I was like, disagree. Like, I'm like, you're a, literally the embodiment of a force of nature and destruction. He has never shown any emotion mm-hmm. at any point in time. Yep, even when, like, people have shown it. Like, even when he throws the spear and nails the dragon. Not even, like... The first time against, with the wildlings when he raises them all, he kind of looks at Jon with, with dick face. A little dick face, <laughs> but not like a smirk. Like, not a like, <laughs> like, I'm like, get out of here. I'm like, you're supposed, like, he's a construct almost, right? Like, he was built by the children of the forest. Is to this kill you nitpicking? The, it is nitpicking, yeah. but I was like, but it like fundamentally changed the character right before he died. 
Like, I was like, what, he has motivations now? Because he was always never predicted to really just be like, he's got to do this because this is what he does. Mm -hmm. And, like, and you killed him, so we didn't get to find out if he has other motivations. So as far as we know in the show, he just raised this army as an unstoppable force and then died. And then he was like, hmm. Like, and I was like, what? It was just a, it was a tiny little weird choice that I was like, what a strange, what a strange thing to choose. Well, he didn't laugh like Kefka. Fair. Um... So anyway, that was Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a big deal. There was Endgame. Did anyone watch it? Nope. I watched oh, yeah. the um, Red Letter Media review of it. Hmm. I've, I, I, I'm. I still haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, so yeah, I haven't seen it either. I don't think it's necessary for Endgame. I heard that she does nothing. Like she shows <laughs> up for two scenes and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively spoiler free. Uh, I, the movie release. I'm amazingly spoiler free. The, I don't the know movie how release. I, am. I, so I won't get into the spoilers on that. But the movie release news that I get ended up spoiling like one or two minor details, not necessarily details of uh, like plot points, but of just like where characters end up. Like I mean, like we've already basically surmised that like Spider-Man's okay because there's a Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie, movie coming, coming out. out. You know, mm-hmm. like like. That, but then a little bit more specific about a couple other characters when they talk about the movie release schedules. I was like, eh. But otherwise, the only thing that makes me very nervous, and I, I mean, you're, are you completely spoiler-free? I'm completely spoiler-free. It's amazing. How I, do you think they deal with Thanos? What is your theory? I'm gonna, they're going to throw a shield at him. Okay. I'm sure it's going to bounce around, maybe off the floor and hit him in the back of the head. Okay. But do you know, like, what, do you, know you haven't seen trailers or anything? I've seen trailers, but nothing that spoiled it for me. They're, okay. they're going to wear matching uniforms and march off to fight him as the theme plays. It's, it's okay. going gonna to be something having to do with, um, mm. um, what's his face, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Um, Strange's. Doctor Strange. It's yeah. going to be, obviously, it's like he has the time gem. He foresaw something in the other Avengers movie. It's going to involve time travel. That's my, obviously. I think it is going to be time travel, which makes me nervous because I hate yeah. the fact that it's probably going to go into time travel. When you have like a 22 movie series and then you're like, now time travel. I mean, that'd be kind of cool though. No. They could go back through 22 movies. And then do the whole thing over. <clears throat> but this time. Just every- like it turns out the key to solving Thanos was Whiplash. <laughs> Mickey <laughs> Work shows up to see <laughs> Weird. I liked uh, the, just like the, the, the fan stuff about Infinity War where everyone, because everyone got super mad at Peter Quill. <laughs> Right, for being for, stupid. For being, for being stupid. incredibly mm-hmm. stupid. Right. The worst. Literally the worst. But again, he had yeah. to do it. No, he, he didn't. Yes, he did because Doctor Strange very clearly said this is the only timeline where it works. Right. So that that stupidity is a function of the only timeline that works. So, okay. So he had to do it. I mean, he could also have challenged Thanos to a dance-off because that's worked before. <laughs> I mean, go with what you know, man. Uh so we haven't watched. The so Endgame. should we do it? Or we, should we make it a responsibility of the three of us to actually go and watch this thing, or can we all rest easy at night knowing that we are <laughs> podcasters of a geek podcast that, that haven't seen Endgame? Don't give I a like, shit. I mean, I will watch it. I'm excited to watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, but are you gonna wait for chance. it to be on Netflix? Which I just haven't had never a chance be. to watch it. Like, I... like it's it's very long. Yeah. Uh, like long enough that like seeing it in the evening is like a pain. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to like an I think like an eight or nine o'clock show and you're up. Till one in the morning or something. Yep. It's three hours, right? Three and a half. Wow. Um, Jesus. And then some of the early showings are like at six, so you're like you need to like rush from work and shove food in your mouth and then sit down in the movie theater. And then this weekend was a really nice weekend, so I was like, there's no way. If it was raining, I'd have been like, 
Maybe I'll hit, take in a matinee. As of mm -hmm. today, the 6th of May, it's crossed the $2 billion mark. Yeah, it's insanity. Completely insane. Again, $1.2 million dollars worldwide opening weekend. Again, remember how much Disney paid for Marvel. Mm -hmm. Anyways, and how Marvel, before they were bought by Disney, was ready to sell these characters to anyone for anything. Mm -hmm. Sony had Spider-Man. Fox had X-Men and the Fantastic Four. And like people were like... Hey, hey, we're selling Captain America too. You you want to buy Iron Man? And people are like, no, no, no one wants to watch. No Iron one wants Man. to watch that. Thor. Psh. I loved. I loved. People on... people read Thor when Spider Man is sold out. Yeah. Like your mom <laughs> came back with Thor comics because didn't know what to grab. I loved on Puck Soup when they were talking about the MCU and Sean McAdoo is just sort of like he's like he's like think yeah. about the flex on MCU to bring out Guardians of the Galaxies. DC is like. I have a movie where Superman fights Batman. They're like, we have a movie with a talking raccoon and a tree that can only say his name. Which one's better? <laughs> you know, like, it's like the fact that DC like made a sloppy mess owning Batman and Superman, and Marvel made everybody care about a talking raccoon and a tree. <laughs> it is kind of amazing, right? Like <laughs> yeah, how badly they could cons they could fuck up Batman and Superman over well, and over and over again. Exactly. It's it's because honestly, and uh, I don't know if we. You guys give this enough credit. Making a good superhero movie is really hard. But even making a decent superhero movie, history has shown, is very difficult. But I mean... Like, you go really? back... That, you're going you're gonna, to like... It's like you're oh, yeah, going to give them the... What's your favorite jail Fantastic Four movie? Fan Four Stick? Because yeah. it's the worst. It's like, the worst at everything. Which one? <laughs> all, all three of them are god-awful. Well, Spider-Man movies, there's what? Six of them out now? And two of them are... Good. Oh, there's more than six, right? There's three Maguires and three... Two. Um, two. Oh, you're right. There's plus, two. Plus Homecoming. Yeah. Right. So two of them are good. Three of them are good. Three one, of them are good? One, two, and Homecoming. One is not good. What watch is, watch one all right. Again. You have Willem Dafoe, the most expressive face yes, in Hollywood, and you put him behind a hockey mask. There are yeah. problems with one, but one was fine. No. One, one uh, is boring. One is boring. It's one. long and boring. It's it like the Hellboy. Boring. You remember it being good because it was first and good it's it's bad same with the x-men movies you think one is good it's not really that good two is good three is awful yeah three's a mess there's what's eight nine nine x-men movies and maybe three of them are good so talking about film adaptations of things from our childhood <laughs> just making superhero movies is way harder than you think it is what about what movies about holographic uh pop stars <laughs> Yeah. Outrageous. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> truly, so, truly, truly. I, there, there's like, there's a meta element to address here, which is the element where I have to defend this movie right. as part of the segment. Right. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> <clears throat> I really wanted to try and salvage sal come at an angle from this where it was amusing, but I feel like this movie was calibrated specifically for me to hate it. Mm. Juliette Lewis yep. is terrible. Yeah. She's always terrible. Do you remember her screwing up Strange Days? You guys, you guys ever seen yep. that movie? Yeah. She, delivers, she delivers my favorite line in that movie. Which one? She's so terrible with every line that comes out of her lips. But Do you know what I like best about going to the movies? Once it's over, the music swells, the credits roll, and you know it's over. And then she screams at the top of her lungs at her ex-boyfriend. It's over. I love it. It's great. Uh huh. Everything She's... else about her in that movie is like terrible. She also but... ruined Way of the Gun. Yep. Like, I was like, yeah. it's Ryan Felipe and Benicio Del Toro, but, like, then I can't care about the, like, she's... She's, she's one of the worst things in From Dust Till Dawn, and there's is... no reason <laughs> Like, and Juliet Lewis that, exists no. to, like, be the, like, the, the 
divide between them. And I'm like, but I hate her, so I can't get into either of these characters. So, Gem and the Holograms. Here's mm-hmm. here's the story. Okay. It's like Gem and the Holograms. They Gem. Uh, they they're God damn. I can't believe. Okay, so a young girl. She like uh, you know sings sings music, puts videos up on YouTube, um, and then she has a sister who's like the the like social media character. So mm-hmm. she. Um, like puts lots of videos up on YouTube and like s- spreads around her sister's video. It gets seen by some kind of music producer, whatever. She goes with her. She has two adoptive sisters, so it's like four sisters, but they're it's like an adoptive family mm-hmm. that brought them all together. They um they go together and they now they're a band and then they get into they get they go viral and then they want to make a lot of money, so uh, they sing songs. Okay. So then the, there's also her absent father ha- gave her a robot. I guess, which becomes active at some point. And so there's... Like active. you're speaking of synergy. Like in Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it like can project little hologram, holographic images and give them like places to go to get more information about her dad. You know, so there's like little adventures they go on Man, with the robot. that horrible. Imagine that's like the best way to be a shitty dad. <laughs> I won't be in your life, but I will give you a fun holographic robot. Try to find clues about me. Well. Father <laughs> disappears, never comes back. The, like, rather than a heartfelt video of him talking to her directly. Yeah. At least he was in her life a little. As so a hologram. The, uh, the quality, the thing that, that strikes about this movie is the quality of everything is just ab- absolute. The worst of everything, you know, when you see like a like a music video that was made for Rebecca Black's Friday, yeah, you know, and they have like mm-hmm. the scene in the video where she's like standing on a stage and singing it in front of what is obviously a crowd that was paid to be there, right. and they're not listening to the music; they're just like b- bouncing up and down, mm-hmm. and then the music is added later by Foley or whatever. So. There's many, many scenes in the film which are of that level of quality, where it's like very obviously just a shitty stage with like a, like a small cast, and then all the direction is done to conceal the fact that this was shot for as little money as possible. So there's like lots of lots of like really really close close-ups in people, and then a lot of group shots that have a narrow focus. So it's like the people in the middle of the thing are in focus, but then the back. You know, everything in the background of the shot is out of focus because obviously they didn't spend any money on the on the set or whatever, and it's all just like super cheap sound stages. Oof. How are the songs? I mean, it was not written for me, you know. Right. So there's like no energy? way they're like like Friday Rebecca Black level pop music. It's so not quite want to get down on Friday, one, but. It's like on that level. It's that kind of music. Okay. Done over and over and over again. So what's the name of that No Doubt song that had the music video where they're always trying to take pictures of her for the cover? I'm Just a Girl? Is that it? No, it's not no. I'm Just a Girl. Is it Don't Speak? That's them all eating the spaghetti dinner or, or yeah. breakfast or whatever. But like Rolling Stone is trying to take a picture of the band and they're like pushing the other three bandmates out of the way and might be just putting speak. her on the cover. I mean, that's the primary um, conflict of the film is that the like record producer four people... four-minute music video. <laughs> no, no, no. The, well, the, story. the record producer people want to like do like a solo project or whatever with Jam and then she's like, no, no, it's all about my sisters. They back me up. Hooray. So they made a hour and a half movie out of the dark. Oh, no, it was two hours, dude. Two it hours. was two Whoa. full freaking hours. And this is like minute 30. I'm like, this is the worst. I can't believe I'm still here. And then I, like, I glance at the, the time, and then I glance back at the screen. So, and then what feels like hours later, I look back, and it's 33 minutes. That actually happened. Are there the holograms? Well, the holograms come out of the little robot, buddy. Okay, so they don't become holograms. Uh, you know, maybe they become holograms. I really have to know. What about the misfits? I do not recall any misfits. Son of a bitch. Yep. Do they, that's they... like having a G.I. Joe movie and saying, 
We don't There's really no Cobra. need Cobra. Or the Transformers, the Autobots versus the, uh, the evil American I will admit I struggled very hard to pay attention to the film, so there may have been misfits. So, are there, was there, okay, mm-hmm. any, does anything stand out as good or fun? Every scene was cringefully awful mm. in its own special and miserable way. The, there was like the sexy teen boy love interest of Jem. There was the, the like the many shots of fans recording themselves talking about how much they love Jem, right. and done like assembled into like a montage of like fans talking about how much they love Jem and the holograms, how great it is. There's just like the absolutely the worst dialogue. There's like a scene where she's doing her show and then the electricity goes out. Oh no. And the show's ruined. And then Jem just like gets up on stage and gets everybody to clap so that they can finish the song acapella styles. And it wows everyone. And they have like a gem is everyone. I'm Spartacus kind of moment where, uh, you know, who's Jem? Do they say showtime synergy? Uh, I don't know. Was that like a thing from the show? I don't remember. Maybe Um, there's a whole lot of girl power in this Keith. Yeah. A lot of girl power in a mid credit scene. Erica, now terminated from Starlight, mm-hmm. arrives in a seedy junkyard where she attempts to recruit a group of punkish young women into a band to rival the holograms. All right, there it is. That's that is in the credits. It's set up for the sequel. That's They decline, saying that Erica dropped them the first time they were signed to Starlight Records. They change their minds when the leader, Pizzazz, discovers that Rio is dating Jem and take Erica inside. The graffiti on the side of the trailer reveals the name of this band as The Misfits. In the credits, setting up the sequel that will never, never get made. So yeah, so they made a gem movie banking on a sequel to introduce the Misfits. It hurts so hours. bad. After it two was hours. two hours of watching a boring movie with no real consequence. It or, was so bad. I mean, I guess she stays with her friends. I guess wait, wait, she wait. doesn't go on to a solo career. <laughs> no. John, are you saying you didn't sit through the credits to get the post-credits scene? I did not get the post-credits. Not even post-credits. Scene. They knew we wouldn't leave. They put it in the middle of the credits. I guess I have to go back and rewatch the credits with sequence. that in mind. With no, we watched mind. the whole film. You, can't, you have to have context to watch that. Scene. Oh wow, this sounds bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if the music wasn't good, was anything funny? Were there funny dialogue? No, no, no. I think I, like the, probably this was targeted at like a nine to twelve range. Wow. Right or okay. like a seven to twelve range. So weird, like no fan so, service for the actual people that would care. Maybe, but I would not get that either. Right? I don't really. Like maybe I watched an episode or two when I was a kid, but yeah. not a lot. And um, I th- it was no fun. There was nothing fun. I just did not enjoy any split second of watching you this whole stupid rank movie. This piece of garbage? <laughs> the thing is, this might have been like a successful nine to twelve year old girl film. Yeah, no, but you know, right? the list is made up by us. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> I mean, I okay. Feel like there's some people that really enjoy. I don't know, man. But this thing was a disaster, right? Like it, it was yeah, in right, and out I mean, of like, theaters. I, don't, I think that if it was yeah. very successful, it would have done better than 2.3 million dollars at the box office Oof. on a five million dollar budget, right? Like episodes of Game of Thrones have more episode, more money. Oh, totally, this. totally, totally. But can you just imagine, like, you have this thing, and so apparently this dude, John M. Chu, okay, was trying to make this movie for 11 years. And really? he attempted to make the film, but was rejected by Universal due to the cost. And then finally got, air quotes, the money. Five million dollars, which is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. That is, n- like, like, just to put that into perspective, uh, hang on. So it was five million dollars in 2015. Yeah. Right? Hang on. I need to, to get the actual numbers of this. And I mean, does that, uh, does that include 
marketing costs or just like production costs? I don't, I don't know where you're going with this. I'm trying to figure out what the Desperado. Uh, oh, I think it's only 17 million. Like the sequel, the second one. The, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm actually made on like 18,000. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. I think Desperado is just is 17 million dollars. Like Desperado Oof. budget. Desperado was made on seven million USD dollars. Seven million in 1995. Which fast, mean you got it fast, fast, cheap, and under control. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But and that was 1995 money. So it made less money in 2015. So 20 years, or, or it cost two million dollars less, but 20 years later. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. Yeah, but they also didn't put actors in this movie, so you know that saves on. Yeah, no, but I mean, but Desperado had it like Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas. <laughs> well, how do you I, rank this? Place? I would honestly watch Xanadu before I would watch this again. Ooh. I would watch Batman: The Killing Joke. I would watch Jason Bourne. I mean, I think it's gonna. It, I feel it goes below uh, the Rocky Horror remake because not even the music is good, from what you're saying. Yeah. Like the Rocky Horror remake, there's no point in ever watching it because the original is always better. But at least some of the songs are fun. You did not seem to have any fun songs on this either. Like, I think the only thing that would pull this movie up, from what you're saying, would be good songs. And you appear to not even have... Well, I would I would actually... It was not, like, offensive. So I would put it above Soul Man. Mm. But um, I would put it below The Room, because uh, there's some good good chuckles to be had from with the room. the room. Whereas there were no chuckles to be had with this. I kept getting up and, like, walking to another room to do something else. <laughs> so that I could, like, re- rejigger <laughs> the energy to go back and sit down and watch it again. All right, so sliding in at 163 on the list. The sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gem and the holograms. Now, John and I... Well, I was going to say, have, I, know, I know you have an assignment for me, but I, oh, I have yeah. a segue that's real good about this. Go on. So, speaking of things from childhood and movie adaptations, the trailer for Sonic, though. <laughs> Haven't seen it. <laughs> it looked no. like a nightmare from the stills I saw. What happened? Okay, so they released a trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And they made Sonic kind of look like a man wearing a Sonic costume. Or like a boy uh-huh. wearing a Sonic costume. Like, not actually like Sonic. And he has human teeth. And it's quite strange. Yeah. I mean, it, the teeth are way weird. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's just it's weird. Uh, otherwise. It, it, it looks like Detective Pikachu, but like <laughs> awful. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it looks like the fucking Sega version of a Nintendo hit. <laughs> it's so and it's so so, so. But now, now there's. I heard some people saying that it was terrible on purpose right. to generate a bunch of hubbub so that they could get right. Yeah. So yeah. there's talk that it's awful on purpose yeah. because of the blue genie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So they were like they saw what a backlash could look like. Mm-hmm. And they were like, let's just go with it. The director has since been like, we hear fans loud and clear, and it's a CG character. We can fix this before it comes out. Like, he, he said sure, that this weekend. of course they can. So but we got to we gotta get your assignment, just because it's it's part of the um, best movie best ever, movie ever segment. So, okay. you know, we got we to gotta get this taken so, care on, of. End, uh, okay. So we have a very special selection for you. So, so one of the things that we let's found... the guessing game. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the point I was going to make. The yeah. movie is guessing. John, John guessed the last one that he was going to get before we could really deliver it. I guessed Garbage Pail Kids coming out after a couple clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, oh, this, is a, this, this is a good stretch. <laughs> I... So how do we start? First off, we start. We got we got the man, Mr. McConaughey. So this, okay. is, a, this is a McConaughey classic. Is it? Though? Yeah, well, let's let's yeah. talk about one of the best actors of our times. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah. Mr. Gary Oldman. Yep. Okay. 
So we also have a favorite of ours, though probably not a favorite of the whole world, but Kate Beckinsale. She's done some really spectacular vampire-based films, although this one tragically does not have vampires, to my knowledge. And and Hollywood mainstay, Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. This is like this is weirdly ringing bells, as, well, like, as an atrocity that I avoided. Like it's like I remember, and and it's the Gary Oldman thing, being like people being like Gary Oldman, but then it's like a, a shit show or something. Yeah. Well, we were talking well, about. Uh, Game of Thrones for half an hour. One of the stars of Game of Thrones is in this movie. Yep. Everyone's favorite, Peter Dinklage. Yep. Peter Dinklage. This isn't the stupid Adam Sandler video game movie? No. Oh. That's what I thought Peter this Dinklage. Movie, this movie was uh, released in September of 2003. September of 2003. So this, this cast is like at the height of their... Here's a little production note. Okay. According, according to Mr. Peter Dinklage, the original cut of the film was gorgeous, but the director was fired shortly after turning it in, and the people who fired him recut the film into a rom-com with dwarves. What? Is, this, is this tempting your filmatographic tummy? So they I were... hope so. Bill Gibran of Pop Matters called the film insensitive, <laughs> adding, clearly crafted as a wake-up call to all the nasty normals out there. It substitutes schmaltz for sincerity to create a hate crime all its own. Oh god! Screened at the 2004 Sundance Film Festival, it was never released theatrically in the United States and instead went straight to DVD. Couldn't find an audience. Okay, I, Peter I got... Dinklage, right? And Gary Oldman. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. I, McConaughey. It's like all all of this information, like, reminds me of an article that I read, but I wouldn't could not pick this film out of Great. Like, anything. But it's like, but like all of it, like. Even the the little people, like thing that you're saying, mm-hmm. all of this jives with something that I read and found. Excellent. Away. So John, the movie John, John found this movie and was like, "What do you think about this as our as a potential?" I was like, y- "Yes, yeah, anything that's described as a hate crime." <laughs> well, thanks, guys. So this this movie is called Tiptoes, okay, okay. and it's a romance movie, uh, sort of, about a uh, a person who is a dwarf. Mm-hmm. who is struggling in their relationship uh, with whether or not they should have an abortion because they don't want their child to be a dwarf. Wow. Yes. Is, is there a trailer? Gary Oldman goes in dwarf face or whatever. He's filmed as a little person. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, again, you can like, watch a trailer or something. Yep. Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with how many times they said the M word. <laughs> Why, Gary? Why? I called the, the role of a lifetime from Gary Oldman. Uh-huh. And it said command performances by Patricia Arquette. I, I know we just paused it to watch the trailer. If you're listening, you should pause, pause it, it and to watch, watch the trailer. trailer. Oh, watch the, the, it's on YouTube, Tiptoes 2003 it, VHS trailer. It almost oh. has the feeling of a vanity project where somebody with a whole shitload of money paid to make this happen. Yeah, and potentially, you know. <clears throat> some then and then potentially someone else with even more money was like, I'm going to cut this into something else, right? Like, okay. I mean, if Peter Dinklage thought it was good, I could like you can watch that premise and be like, oh, it's going to be about how pe- how not accepting people can be, and then we're gonna it's going to become, and then they're going to like accept us, and like like you know what I mean? Like, I can see oh, there's some Hallmark movie after school special moments here. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's in there, but mm-hmm. but then it, but. Then it looks like it's cut and chopped to play just for laughs and, like, aren't little people hilarious? I don't know, man. But then also, There's so many ways it could go. But then also Gary Oldman and Littleface. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, Keith, we stayed away from racial issues. Thanks, on this one. buds. 
Just oh, for you. Man. We know you love the social commentary. So And I was gonna say, I uh watched it was my other segue. We talked about Sonic that they may or may not be renewing. But then I was bouncing in my head between two different segues of the lead singer leaving the band. Because I watched Bohemian Rhapsody oh! on the airplane. How was it? Was it as bad as uh, anticipated? Okay. Was it... um, yes and no. Okay. Everything is fine, uh, at least in terms of like the music. Rami Malik is, or Malik, Rami Malik. I don't think you get to say everything is fine in terms of the music when it's basically just no, but, Queen's greatest hits. Right. But, but that's what I'm saying. But it's not like they don't use that to their full potential. Like There's Queen music constantly. It's not like they're just like... That they hold it back and only show the Live Aid stuff at the end. Like, mm-hmm. it happens all the time. But literally every single scene, every... I don't understand how this movie got nominated for any Academy Awards or whatever. Outside of maybe, maybe Rami Malek's performance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird and off-putting and still feels a little bit like he's being a robot, but being Freddie Mercury. But I kind of looked it up and apparently Freddie, Freddie was, a, was little a little like that. Like, he was a yeah. little always performing, even mm-hmm. in, like, kind of private things. So I was like, maybe this is accurate. Uh, yeah, I just, the stuff, like, the stuff that's bad, though, is just, like, awful bad. Did you, did you ever watch the little video of the guy critiquing the cuts in that movie? No. That's a really good video of, like, 120-something cuts over a three-minute scene where they're, like, having dinner talking to each other or whatever, and it's just, like, it feels all jarring, and he points it out. It's very good criticism of the film. And it won an Academy Award for editing, right? Yeah. Which is like I mean, maybe it's maybe terrible. Maybe the Academy Award for editing is just like speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's, so it's like um, goals against average, the Jennings Trophy in the NHL. You just, you just get it. You've done the most editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Congratulations. It's like the Rocket Richard. Most goals. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most cuts in three minutes. You nailed it. Uh, so there's three, three things I want to talk about. Two about... Two, three scenes that I will tell you everything that you need to know about this movie. You never mm-hmm. need to see it. Like the level of like weird, overdramatic nonsense is to the point where, uh, like Freddie and Brian May are like having a fight and they're 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 getting like oh no four moments. Freddie and Brian May are having a fight and they're talking about like what music and what is Queen music and what isn't Queen music and they're about to like get into it and they're so mad and whatever and then Deacon is like do do do. And they're both like, what? Mm-hmm. And then like they stop fighting and grab their instruments, and then they jam, and now they're one bites of dust, and it's the greatest day of everyone's life. And I'm like, get out of here. Written <laughs> by two people, by someone who's obviously never had a fight with anyone. Right. Same thing, too, where uh, they get in, and they're like, oh, remember when everyone was singing along with Freddie? And it was like, the best, and whatever. We need to have something for the audience. And then he's like, I've been working on this. And they're like, what? And then they all start doing it. And Freddie comes in and he's like, what's the lyric? (laughs) And that's how we made We Will Rock You. Uh Third, he gets diagnosed with AIDS. Why are you you walking out of the hospital? And in the AIDS wards, there's a little skinny kid with AIDS who sees Freddie Mercury walking by and goes, Deo. And Freddie stops, looks over his shoulder and goes, and then leaves and it's all sad and I'm like shut up film (laughs) I was like Uh shut up anyway so that is the level of insanity that happens in all three but then in the single greatest moment of cameo dialogue ever delivered by anyone ever Mike Myers is in this film as a record executive in so much makeup you can't really realize it's Mike Myers but then 
while shitting on Bohemian Rhapsody, says, this is a, he's like, we need a song that four kids can listen to in the car and rock out to, not this operatic garbage. And I was like, Oh, I see what you did there. Exactly. I was like, amazing, perfect. Film can end there. It's like in the first 20 minutes. (laughs) I was just like, it doesn't even seem out of place that that character would say it, but then you're like, I see what you did there. Exactly. I get that reference. Exactly. It's just a moment of like, I see what you did there, film. Anyway, it's basically garbage. Well, really, basically garbage. The important thing that Bohemian Rhapsody teaches you is that Brian May is just as important to the success of Queen. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's so much stuff. And he's like, and Queen is my family. And like, the Freddy is portrayed super weird. And it's like, well, not, not super weird, but it's like, basically the, the difficulties that Queen had, which are like well documented and all over the place. Like, it all boils down to like, but in the end, we're family. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think that they hated each other and they were kind of, not hated each other, but like, by all accounts, they were like, a lot of them didn't like each other, but they were like, but we can still make music. And, like, they never had, like, the family group hug moment was mm-hmm. apparently not a thing that Queen ever had. They were just like, yep, agree to disagree. Let's just keep making music. Uh, it's, it's it's like in the upcoming Jackson 5 movie produced by Tito. Like, Tito is an important part of the Jackson 5, and it wasn't just all about Michael. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but, like, I get, like, to a certain point, yeah, no, no, he's, no. like, Queen could have had success if it wasn't for Freddie Mercury. Totally. Totally. I mean, Freddie was a genius and he definitely, you know, played his part. No, but I mean, but I I still think like, I don't think Queen would have gotten that big, but I think Queen would have been a band. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like there could have been Freddie Mercury and the Queens and that band still would have been. But but the songwriting, though, I feel that like the fact that they were all over the place genre wise, I think came from the fact that they had multiple songwriters in the band. Like I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like it wasn't sure, like Freddie didn't the fucking Beatles. I'm not saying they were the, weren't the Beatles, and they never were the Beatles. I think like Freddie Mercury made them like galactic megastars, but I feel that like having a number of real good songwriters, you can bounce all over the place in genres, is probably would have made them sure. At... But Brian May isn't even Keith Richards. Like that mm. band was. Oh no, but I'm just saying you're put, you're talking about Beatles and the Rolling Stones and stuff. I'm saying like oh yeah, but the Rolling Stones I think are a, a fairly decent example. Like the Rolling Stones are. Or Mick Jagger and his band. I don't think so. And, and, and Brian May isn't even Keith Richards. Yeah, but I don't think Mick Jagger's even anywhere close to Freddie Mercury as, like, front man. Really? No. I feel, I feel that the Rolling Stones as a band are collectively more talented than Queen as a band. Sure, but like, I think Mick Jagger is a, not as good of a front man as Freddie Mercury <laughs> He's, he's, I, I'm going to disagree with you. And I'm gonna say, and that's I'm gonna, a tough one because Mick Jagger put, is well no, respected. No, and I'm like, you, you can easily put them in like top five, but like Freddie gets close to number one, and the reason that they're giant is because like the Rolling Stones could have been a massive band without Mick being like a strut superstar with a bit of sex appeal. Queen could not have been that. So in terms of like the weight being carried by your frontman, I feel that Queen carried or Mercury carried Queen to a higher place of fame than Mick did based on their charisma as a frontman. Excellent, like, top five frontmen, both of them. I mean, I, I think, think you're going to have a lot of discussion about this from other That's people who listen to this. Yeah. I don't oh. think you can get rock and roll frontmen and say, well, yeah, Mick's fine. Not saying Mick's fine. I said Mick, top Mick Jagger five. Is, is probably... Freddie Mercury is a better frontman than Mick Jagger. Sure. And that's that's my point. And I was like, like and the the height that Queen well, got to was a much more find another frontman in a in, in a rock band that is 
Mick Jagger, Iggy Pop. Mick Jagger. Iggy, Iggy Pop doesn't count at all. He's, David Bowie. I, David Bowie and who? Who's well, Iggy band? was the Stooges, bro. Yeah, and they did how many albums together? Two? I mean, they still got the front, Two? man. Okay, are you going to rank Someone who in? has a band and then goes on to a solo career is not a front man of the band. He Mick left could, them. Mick could have gone on the front man. He could have, but he didn't, just like Freddie didn't. Hmm. I mean, after that, it drops off pretty significantly, and you end up with, like, uh, Axl Rose. Yeah, but I mean, an Axl was also propped up by Slash's guitar. Yeah, but, like, I'm talking rock and roll front man. Rock and roll front man. Dave Grohl? Maybe? I don't know. Eddie Vedder? Like... Kurt Cobain? Yeah. Like, yeah, Cobain is a very that, strong front man. Like, in a, weird, in a very weird way. Like, But then you end up with the lasting generational impact of yeah. Freddie Mercury and Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, really, they're really in a league on their yeah. own. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain. Yeah. I mean, Kurt's fine, but again, he did three albums, so... Yeah. I mean... Looking here. So was this and, just and terrible, or was it offensively terrible? That's the question. It's just pointless. Yeah. Is, like, ultimately where I'm saying, like, I, like I'm looking, it's not awful. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at movies that are awful. Hellboy. I mean, I'm putting it, I'm looking awful, 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 awful. Hellboy is pretty awful. Bad, yeah. It's Justice League. I guess it's kind of Where, tough. Where's Hellboy at? Uh, number 134. Yeah, I'm below. Sorry, 123. Boy. Yeah, below that, below that. Yeah. Then I we would... go down to, like, Legend, Power Rangers, I Baywatch, think... Star Wars. Hmm. I think it's Hellboy is the right zone, though. Warm Bodies. Yeah, we're in definitely scoring. in the right area. I'm, I'm looking up. Not as good as Crush Groove. Crush Groove is a good spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would put it below Crush Groove. <laughs> All right. Above Deathstalker? It is, it is held together by the fact that it has good music. <laughs> but then <laughs> it's not as fun as Crush Groove. Mm-hmm. Like, and, it, like, and that's what I'm saying. It's, and, and this is... God. Just put, to think of a movie that's... More ham-handed than Crush Groove, oh, but that's it. It's <laughs> that's like, so good. It's so awful that every scene needs to like resolve itself with like, and this is how we ro- we will rock you. Get out of here! Like, it's it's amazing how comparable those two movies are, though. Made by the people who made the music to yeah, highlight how exactly. Awesome they are. That's what I'm saying. So, but I will like I said, and and I'm giving it a lot of a, like a lot of bonus points from the fact that it looks real good. The performance is very good. Mm-hmm. It's like. Getting Freddie Mercury wrong is pretty easy. So yeah, exactly. Like the fact that he got Freddie well, and then and also like the the Live Aid performances. I mean, like yeah, obviously just watch the Live Aid performance is probably going to be a better use of your time. Mm-hmm. But like he nails it. Like like uh, yeah, again, you you can do that wrong real easy. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like like just even like 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 the opening shot of the scene is him leaving uh, leaving the van. And heading up onto stage of Live Aid, and then mm-hmm. it, like then it flashes back, right? Like so, it's like you're building up to the Live Aid performance the entire time. And there's just a scene of just like it's just like him like comes off and he like pops off his denim jacket or whatever and like tosses it over to mm-hmm. a guy, and then he's just like strutting and he like puts out his hand and like takes the little like stick, and then it's just like just like jumping and like warming up, and you're like you don't even see his face, but you're like that's definitely Freddie Mercury, mm-hmm. like like so much of the mannerisms and like body language 
is nailed that I do like he's I think he was nominated for an Academy Award like okay. I would like put him in a real Queen movie and I'd be down like because he did it just fine I mean not it's just fine it's weird that it came from the band and wasn't like but otherwise they couldn't have that. the music and at which point what are you doing You'd I would up, rather you'd see with... the movie with no music that tol- tells the true story than yeah, this Yeah, for thing. sure. But yeah. it's going to be hard. Yeah, of course. It's going to come out, though. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, what was that movie, The the, the Velvet Goldmine, which is like the weird fiction telling of like Bowie and uh, Iggy's relationship? Yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which were like, they changed the names and there isn't any of the real music. And you're like, weird. It's still fun. Was it a good movie? Just, what? You know what the they Velvet should Goldman. do? Yeah. They should riff track okay. it. <laughs> Just like, make that movie, but set it to like, Best of Queen Volume 2. That's just <laughs> press play, watch the movie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they should, just, like, they should just make like a real Queen movie but then have the original sound music by the Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, just, hey, oh, we, couldn't get the, we couldn't get the rights to this movie, but if you download or, or have your old CD copy of Best of Queen Volume 2, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. press play. That's, that's the soundtrack. No, but there's just like, there's just, like little cues and, on. There's little cues on, on camera where, where you just sort of like, like, baseline from another one by yeah. You're like, hmm. <laughs> like just, Everyone in their head goes. Yep, I got it. Bum, 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 Bicycle bum. song. <laughs> Nailed it. I understand what's happening in the scene. Uh, I think that was the 90s, everybody. I think that was it. Yeah. Well, super weird. This was the 90s. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us. John? If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.